Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for podcasters by podcasters. Podcasting Smarter is the official podcast from Podbean, featuring podcasting interviews, best practices, and helpful tips. We're here to give you the tools, resources, product updates, and news to help you get started podcasting and keep your podcast growing. Hello, and welcome to Podcasting Smarter. This is Norma Jean Belenke, Podbean's Head of Events. And in today's episode, we'll be having a conversation with Jessica Rhodes, the founder of Interview Connections, where we'll get into the value of interviewing different guests on your podcast, how to get great guests, how to be a great guest, and so much more. Stay tuned. And here we go. Hi, Jessica. How's it going? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. We are so excited to have you here. So First of all, for everybody out there who's listening, tell us a little bit about yourself and what is Interview Connections, the company that you founded? Yeah. So I am the founder of Interview Connections. I am just personally, I'm based in Rhode Island. I have two kids. I have a variety of animals, both inside and outside from chickens to gerbils and cats. So, um, that's like the very short little bio of me. It has to include my kids and my animals. Um, I founded interview connections in 2013. I first started as a virtual assistant and I was booking my dad. Actually, he's a business owner. I was booking him as a guest on podcasts and Back in 2013, nobody was booking podcast interviews. Podcast guesting was never a phrase that anyone used. Podcast booking wasn't something people were doing. They just had a show and they asked people to be on it. And it was, you know, totally different than it is today. So I saw that there was a big interest for somebody to help connect people for podcast interviews. So I founded Interview Connections officially in the fall of 2013. And as we all know from listening to the show and being in the podcasting space, podcasting has absolutely exploded, as has the even more niche part of the industry, which is podcast booking and podcast guesting. Absolutely. And, you know, you're really one of the pioneers in terms of having you know, a, a company that specifically helps people book onto podcasts, um, which is such an important aspect of podcasting that we're going to get into in a little bit. Um, but before we, before we jump in there as a business owner, you know, when you got into podcasting, what skills had you used from previous jobs or careers that really helped you create a podcasting business? Well, before I started interview connections, I came out of a job where I was leading a door-to-door field canvas. I was working for a nonprofit and I led the canvas that went door-to-door fundraising and community organizing. So literally my job was knocking on doors, talking to people. So I learned so much in that job about communication, about connecting with people, about how to listen to what people are saying and how to ask the right questions. So there were a lot of skills about interviewing and asking questions that I could then translate translate into podcasting and then being persistent, building relationships. When you're booking guests for your show, when you're trying to get on other people's shows, it takes persistence. Um, you don't always get a yes or a booking the first time you ask somebody. And the same thing, when I was working the job, going door to door, you don't always get the thing that you want, the signature, the donation, the letter, the first time you ask, you have to follow up, you have to circle back. And the same thing happens when you're booking interviews on podcasts, you have to be persistent. You have to make sure you're asking the right people and and you're asking them in the right way. Absolutely. And I love what you said, because it's really a combination of that tenacity and follow through along with 
you know, that relational aspect of podcasting as a community. So that's such a great answer. And so I want to jump in now to the guesting side of it, because this really is your, your wheelhouse. Um, so what are some tips just right off the bat and best practices for being a good podcast guest? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is just to know that you're a guest in somebody else's house that you really want to be somebody that's going to help make them and their listeners, you know, feel valued and to receive value. So often podcast guests are, you know, they're going on shows because they want to get visibility. They want to grow their business and, or they want to grow their podcast audience. And they're just thinking about what they're going to get from the experience. So my first tip is to really focus on what you can give when you're, when you are in a place of service, when you have that heart of wanting to provide value and you're focusing on the connection and the relationship with the person you're talking to, that's where you can actually get the most. So it's a little bit counterintuitive, but don't focus on what you're going to get from it. Really focus on being of service, being in connection, really focusing on how you can serve the host and their audience. And you will end up having a much better interview than if you were just talking about like, how often can I mention my show? How often can I mention the book that I'm trying to get, you know, promote? So, I mean, that's number one. Number two, listen back to your interviews. Being a good interviewee is a skill. It is a skill. The first time you get interviewed, you're probably not going to be very good. You're going to say, um, a lot. You're going to, you're going to say all the crutch words that there are. The more you do it, the better you get. So be consistent and listen back to your interviews. So you can actually hear what you're saying, because oftentimes you forget what you said. in your head, you're like, I did a great job. But then you listen back and you think, oh my gosh, stop saying, um, stop saying like, you know, so listen back and focus on, you know, mindfulness. Mindfulness is a really good practice to have when you're podcasting, turn off all distractions, focus on deep breathing, be hydrated, the more present and focused you can be in the moment, the more connected you'll be with the host, the better interview you'll give. Absolutely. And I love what you said about getting better because, you know, from a podcaster standpoint, almost every podcaster, you know, doesn't want to listen to their first episode. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you go back and you're like, oh gosh, that was right when I started the show cringe. Um, but there is something to be said for honoring that journey that you have either as a podcast guest or as a podcaster, and they really are parallel. You're going to get better. You're going to become more eloquent despite how eloquent we all think we sound in our own heads <laughs> right off the yeah. bat. Yeah. Yeah. Like our life story and just, you know, feeling like everyone understands us. But I think that, that those are some really great tips, you know, making sure that you minimize distractions, turn your phone off. That sounds like an obvious one, but It is really Mm -hmm. important, especially a lot of interviews are being done virtual now. So if you're doing a virtual interview, you know, you want to make sure that you don't have any tabs open or any notifications on or anything like that. That's also Mm -hmm. a really big factor, staying hydrated and being present and mindful is such a, is such a great tip. I also want to touch on something that you said about crutch words. So for everyone out there, a crutch word is something where it's a word that you'll say when you're thinking of the next thing to say, or to kind of bridge the gap, like, um, Hmm you know, where you kind of just drag your words out. So what are some common crutch words that you hear podcast guests use? (laughs) That's such a good question because when I talk about this topic, I, the only thing I can think of is, um, but then when you're listening to people, you're like, oh, that's a crutch word. That's a crutch word. Um, and ah are the two most common things. And, you know, you hear it a lot in conversation when you're meeting with somebody or when you're, you know, a lot of times it happens in podcasts, it's, you described it very well. 
instead of leaving a moment of silence to think people fill that silence with, uh, um, and the reason that happens is people are afraid of what might happen if there's silence. So a big part of getting rid of your crutch words is being calm enough and confident enough to leave that silence there. And that comes back to staying regulated in your nervous system, making sure, because the more nervous you feel, if you, if your nervous system is in a state of panic or nervousness or a state of threat, and which is very common. If you're podcasting, it's scary to be visible. It's scary to have people listening to what you're saying outside of a one-on-one conversation or even in a one-on-one conversation. So, you know, we and our team and interview connections and something my business partner, Margie talks a lot about is regulating your nervous system. And, you know, I talked a little bit about like being hydrated, taking deep breaths, but do things before you go on a podcast that calms yourself because the calmer you feel, the more regulated you are, the more confident you'll be. And the less you'll feel the need to fill that space with that, like nervous energy of just saying, um, and, ah. Uh. absolutely. And just trying to kind of fill the void. I think that's a really big aspect. And I think in the modern world, it's really important to bring that perspective in right. Where you're talking about yourself and you're being vulnerable and you're putting yourself mm-hmm. out there and our nervous systems, you know, we have caveman hardware is what I always yeah. like to say. So totally. sometimes your nervous system doesn't understand the difference between I'm being interviewed on this podcast, you know, to promote my book or, you know, to bring more awareness to my podcast, we're doing an interview swap or something like that versus there is a bear and it's chasing me. Right. So definitely. <laughs> yeah, think- you're exactly right. I think on that nervous system regulation, you absolutely got it. Um, well, I want to pivot a little bit and talk about um, how podcast guesting works from the podcaster side. So you work a lot with guests that are booked on podcasts. And so you you work a lot with podcasters. So what I what I want to ask you next are what are some tips or or best practices you've seen from podcasters that book guests? Yeah. So the first thing is just like, so we first started this talking about when you're a guest, you're a guest in somebody else's house. When you're a host, you're hosting somebody in your house. So think about what would you do if you were having somebody over for a dinner party and you wanted to make sure that relationship started off on the right foot, you would make sure things are cleaned up. You would make sure that they feel welcome. You would make sure they're going to have a good time. So that is all important to keep in mind when you're hosting a podcast. So let's talk about what that looks like when you're a podcast host, having your systems in place making sure that if you're going to use a form for a a guest to fill out, to get themselves scheduled, that form isn't so long where they're going to be like, I don't even want to come anymore. (laughs) You know, that happens sometimes podcast hosts create forms that for them, it's easier because they're getting all the information they need. But for a guest, everyone's busy. Everyone has a lot that they're doing. We're running businesses. You know, we have like families and all of that. We have animals. We've got all this stuff we're doing. So you want to think about how can I get what I need in a way that isn't going to totally inconvenience the guest and really think about it from a user experience. I actually, I've you know, got booked on a podcast recently and the host had a great form and then an immediate. So I filled out the form with my bio and all that. And then it directed me to the scheduling link, which I loved. I was like, cool, moving right along. Very easy to do all this. And then the scheduling link asked me some of the same questions. And I was like, well, this is redundant. And I was like, I'm, and I actually said, I was like, uh, 
if I could offer some unsolicited advice, you have a great system, but I just noticed it was a little bit redundant. It wasn't hard. Cause I had everything open. I could just copy and paste it. And she's like, Oh, thank you so much for telling me. So a lot of people don't even realize that there are certain aspects of the scheduling system that may be a little bit, uh, creating an obstacle to that guest, having a really good experience on your show. And I'm telling you when your guest has a really good experience from the moment they meet you to scheduling, to the pre-call, everything, if that all goes well, they're going to want to promote you so much more. Um, and so as a podcast host, really focus on making sure your guest is having a great experience. You're featuring them as an expert in the topics they love talking about because they're going to want to be featured for their expertise and promote the show, you know, help give them the visibility that they came to your show for, and they will give you that, you know, favor in return. They'll want to promote the show if you're promoting the show. Absolutely. And I think that also kind of leads into my next question about expectations and promotion, right? So if you are going to be a guest on someone's podcast, or if you're a podcaster who is asking a guest, Hey, do you want to be on my show? I have an interview show, you know, whatever the show is. Um, what are some of the expectations that maybe are set or maybe not set, but are appreciated by podcasters and guests in terms of promotion? Yeah. So promoting the podcast is always appreciated and a lot of times expected by the podcast host. I was just having this conversation with somebody yesterday who's thinking about working with us. And she was asking that, like, am I expected to promote every single podcast I'm on? And I said, there are a lot of hosts that do expect it and they will likely explicitly communicate that mm -hmm. it's always appreciated. And at the end of the day, cause I'll, I'll say this being kind of a matchmaker and a podcast booker, I can speak to really, truly both the guest and the host. And I like to remind everyone in the podcast community, Hey, everyone is human. Everyone has their own things going on podcasting, both as a guest and a host is something extra we're doing in addition to our businesses and our lives. So just know that like, if somebody's doing four or five interviews a month, they're probably not going to be posting every single interview that they do. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that they're not going to still share it and provide value to you and your audience. So, um, that would just be, you know, be explicit. If it's a requirement, that's okay. And just know guess that it's always appreciated by the host. Absolutely. And what are some things that podcasters can do to make it easier for guests to share their episode? Yeah. So if you as a host can provide guests with a graphic and with some social media copy, that makes it 10 times easier. I will, I am so much more likely to share and promote a podcast. If they just send me what to post, I'll happily get that up on social media. If I have to listen back to the whole interview and write a good post, I may do it. It might go on my to-do list, but it might not happen for a while. So the easier you can make it, the better. Absolutely. And I think that that's something to remember. So as a podcaster, if you're creating graphics for your episode, you know, just flick them over to your guests via email and say, Hey, you know, here's the date the episode's coming out. Here's the graphics for the show, or even specifically your episode. Here's maybe a social media caption, like, Hey, I just did this podcast and you know, here's what we talked about. Listen in, if you want to learn more just super yes. simple. It doesn't have to be, it <laughs> doesn't have yep. to be rocket science. You don't have to be writing a novel. You don't have to be an expert at copywriting, but it's really helpful. And, and maybe they want to tweak it a little bit, but they have that outline. So they don't have to use that much brain power, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. And another thing that can make it really easy and will motivate the guests to share it is if you can grab some quotes that the guest said and put that on a nice graphic that aligns with their brand. It doesn't have to be the guest's logo and colors and everything. It can be yours, but um, Margie, my business partner, our CEO was on a podcast and the host sent a few different quote graphics with really good quotes. She said in the interview, and I posted those like crazy because it was great for her thought leadership. It was great for promoting, you know, our business and also it helped promote the show. Um, so that's something that will definitely make guests more likely to share is if you provide them with quote graphics that helps make them look really good to their audience. Absolutely. You want it to be a win-win. That's a really big yes. aspect of it. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about interview connections and, you know, you started the business in 2013 and from there, you know, you really become a leader in terms of helping, um, people who want to be on podcast guests as guests, you know, become guests on podcast mm -hmm. episodes. So I want to talk a little bit about getting clients and what that looked like in terms of your business and some of the ways that you started to build your client roster within your business. Yeah. So when I started interview connections, I had a couple of clients already. So my very first client was my dad. He is the person that introduced me to the world of online business. He's a business coach and has an online, um, newsletter marketing company. So I started out as his virtual assistant and that's where I was introduced to everything. He was already podcasting. So that's where I first saw this whole world. Mm -hmm. And he introduced me to my next client who was a, you know, coach, like information product type of entrepreneur. And then my dad introduced me to third. So first it was my referral, you know, so number one referral, I just got my foot in the door with a couple of business owners who had me work as their virtual assistant. And I helped them with podcasting and some other things. Then from there, it was really through booking them for podcast interviews. I was building my network. I was getting as active as I could on social media and Facebook groups. I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I was, you know, obviously booking my clients for interviews. So I was meeting these podcast hosts every time I send a pitch, every time I send an email to, you know, attempt to make an interview connection. <laughs> That's where the name comes from. Attempt to make a podcast interview happen. I was now building a relationship and a lot of hosts, because they were not getting pitched by anyone else, were really curious about who I was. They were like, wait a second, is this a service you provide? Who are you? Do you do this for other people? So as I was getting that interest, I saw that, okay, this is something that a lot of people may want. Um, so I really focused on building relationships with some key players, building a relationship with John Lee Dumas and Kate Erickson. Um, who are the, uh, you know, founders of entrepreneurs on fire. That was yep. really key. They helped me, you know, they promoted me to their membership community. So I got clients there. One of my first clients was somebody that found, you know, John Lee Dumas mentioned me in an article and that, you know, somebody read the article and then came to interview connections. So it was first just like really grassroots, like building a network, building relationships, like what can I do to provide value to, to you? Then I started going to conferences. Um, so that was one of the first things I did. I was like, I got to get out there and meet people face to face because nobody knows who I am. I don't have a following online. I was working with clients. So I didn't really have, I wasn't doing any marketing on social media. I was like busy working with clients. So I started going to conferences, started building relationships. People remember you more when you actually have a conversation with them, right? Through a podcast, through in person at an event. Um, so I started going to conferences and then in kind of year two, I started my podcast and that's where I started guesting a lot more and, and hosting my own show. Absolutely. And I want to talk a little bit about the business aspect of it for a second, because 
podcasting has low barriers to entry, which makes it great in terms of storytelling and allowing everybody to start a podcast at Podbean. You know, you can start a podcast from your phone in five minutes. Um, but in terms of having a podcasting business, how did you learn what to charge for your business? Because it was so new and the industry, as we both know, is growing at such an <laughs> exponential rate. It's kind of the wild west. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, pricing is the million dollar question. So in the beginning, it was a shot in the dark because I had nothing to compare it to. I couldn't look at other podcast booking agencies. I had no idea what people would charge. So in the beginning, I had packages of like $47 a month, $77 a month. I raised my prices a lot in the first couple of years, because as I noticed, every time I noticed, I signed on a bunch of clients and there was zero price resistance. I'm like, mm, not charging enough. Um, that, and combined with the fact that I was not profitable in the beginning, I mean, it was just me. So it, I didn't really have that many expenses. It was just my time, but there were a lot of price increases in the beginning. As I figured out what people were willing to pay, what my, expenses were because first it was just me, but then I started bringing on virtual assistants to help me. And so then I had some hard expenses and I had to take that into consideration. Um, so we got up our prices on a monthly rate up to, you know, start at like less than a hundred bucks. Then it was like the $500 a month level, then close to a thousand dollars a month. We're now in like the $2,500 a month range. Um, and that is just from a recent price increase because the demand is just high and we now like we raise our prices based on the value of the service. So in the beginning, in the first several years, it's like, what is the market determining the price needs to be? And so you have to take that into consideration too, always. But now it's like really making sure that the price accurately reflects the value. And sometimes people are like, well, wait, you're way more expensive than other agencies. And sometimes they say, oh, you're comparable with other agencies. So it kind of my lesson there is that price, your price is only expensive or inexpensive based on what people are comparing it to. Because if I'm talking to somebody that is comparing us to a PR agency that charges $10,000 a month, we're a bargain. But if I'm talking to somebody that's comparing us to the $50 a month, you know, subscription service that can connect them with guests or hosts, then we're expensive. So yeah, that's sort of my long ramble on pricing. <laughs> no, I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's great to hear your perspective about it because it's something where, you know, in regard to knowing what to charge, I think a lot of podcasters out there who have businesses or are thinking about, you know, going over onto the freelance or professional side of things don't understand maybe what that looks like or what that journey looks like, right? Everybody starts somewhere. Yeah. So that's a really important, that's a really important factor and aspect to consider. And then also, you know, like you mentioned just briefly that you met no price resistance. People were like, yeah, great. Sign me up. Yeah. And so, you know, you realize that maybe there was an opportunity to increase your rates and then your costs went up, which I think is really mm -hmm. important. You know, we've talked to a few entrepreneurs on podcasting smarter, and there's a lot of questions about like, oh, wait, I had to pay for the software that I used to edit podcasts or, oh, wait, I have to pay for the electricity or I have to pay for, you know, virtual assistants and additional labor. So I think it's something where, you know, once your business starts getting off the ground and you have all these additional costs, you don't know what they're going to be. And then you can factor them into what you charge clients and the value that your clients get. So I want to talk next about the value that your clients get and that people get from guesting on podcasts and mm. what that success looks like. Cause it can be different based on what the guest is 
you know, what kind of career they have, what they're promoting, what kind of expertise they have. So let's break that down a little bit and talk about what success looks like for people who are guesting on podcasts. Yeah. Number one, when you're guesting on podcasts, success looks like visibility because when you're a business owner and you need to grow your business, you need more clients, you need to be visible and you need to be reaching new audiences. Now, in the beginning of a business, if you have a good network, you can build up a client base just through referrals alone. You don't need a ton of visibility if you just want to get a handful of clients and you can get enough people in your network to make the right introductions. But when you get to the point in business, if you get into the point in business where you do want to scale and you do want to grow, you have to get in front of new audiences. You need to figure out where your ideal clients are hanging out and you need to go there and speak to them. You need to educate them. And that's what podcast guesting gives you. Like that's what podcast guesting gives you. It gives you the opportunity to get in front of a targeted audience of people who likely need what you have. And by doing that, you can be building a relationship, sharing your story, sharing your expertise. So you're not just a service provider that they Googled, but you're somebody that they now trust because they see you as an authority. So what success looks like from there is building your list, you know, getting people into your ecosystem, having people know who you are, and then ultimately having people, listeners and podcast hosts want to become your client. And that's where we see most of our clients who generate a really high return on investment from working with us. It comes from podcast hosts who interview them, become their client, um, podcast hosts who interview them after the recording stop says, I want to work with you. I want to refer people to you. I want you to speak at my event. So it is very, it's a visibility strategy to new audiences and it is a networking strategy with podcast hosts. Absolutely. And that's such an important thing to, to bring into awareness because, you know, a lot of people think that success looks like, oh, I'm an author. I'm doing, you know, 10 podcasts, 20 podcast interviews, and then people are going to just buy my book. But sometimes that looks like people signing up for your email newsletter and having them build a relationship with you over years. Sometimes it looks like getting clients from the people that are interviewing you that need your services, right? I think that's such an important aspect of it. Sometimes, you know, it's direct sales for their product or revenue, or maybe they sign up for a course down the line, but it, it, it's definitely more on the awareness side as well. So it's really great to hear kind of across the spectrum, what that success looks like. And then it's not cookie cutter. It's going to be right. different for each, for each podcast guest and for each podcaster. Um, and from the podcaster side, in terms of, you know, booking those guests who are going to add value maybe to them directly, right. But their mm -hmm. audience, um, what would you say some of the factors that you've seen podcasters look for in terms of guest booking are, um, you know, how big a factor is reach and social following? How big a factor is expertise? How big a factor is uniqueness or their personal story? What are some of the things that really make the difference in terms of booking? Yeah. I mean, what I see hosts looking for is, is truly, is this person going to provide value to my audience? That's, that's what I see first and foremost with hosts when they're looking for guests and when they're choosing, who's going to be a good guest for their show. Um, Reach, I have found that it's not the biggest, most important factor. I think now people are 
experienced enough in online business to know that the size of your social media following is not an accurate representation of how valuable you are, how great your stories are, how, you know, how relevant your expertise is. Um, we also know now how much pay to play there is happening on social media, how there are people with 10, 20,000 Instagram followers that they bought, you know, it's not actually an engaged following. So in the beginning, like back in 2013, when people were just getting into podcasting, they're like, Oh, I can get on podcasting. I can get a famous guest and they'll grow my audience. And boom, I think now people know it's not an overnight thing. This is about building relationships. So, you know, when we're booking guests for podcasts, the connections truly are based in relationships. Is this somebody who has relevance for my audience, who has good stories? And is this somebody that I actually want to talk to? Is this somebody that I want to build a relationship with? Oh, I think that's, that's perfect. <laughs> I mean, that's really what podcasting is about. And we talk about this a lot at Podbean, right? You feel like it's you and the mic and maybe the other person, but podcasting really is a relational medium and it really is about community and your network. So that's such a beautiful answer. Um, well, Jessica, it's been such a treat to have you here on podcasting smarter. I want to ask you one last question, um, which we ask a lot of our guests where in the industry, where do you believe the industry is headed in your opinion? I mean, from a podcast guesting perspective, I, I see PR publicity podcasting all coming together. That is clearly where it's headed from my point of view with the calls that I'm having with the people that reach out to me on a weekly basis. It's these big publicity companies, big PR agencies, um, more traditional media outlets. They are flocking to podcasting. So I see like podcasting going even more mainstream than it has been. So I really see it happening now, this like confluence or merging of this independent, you know, kind of artistic hobby form of media and more traditional mainstream media. I see it all coming together. Fantastic. Yeah. So do we, I mean, <laughs> we're in yeah. so do we here at Podbean? Well, Jessica Rhodes, it has been such a treat. We'll have all of your links here in the show notes. If anybody wants to get in touch with Jess or reach out to interview connections, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Podcasting Smarter. If you have any podcasting questions or want to get in touch, send us an email at podcastingsmarter at podbean.com. Thanks so much and happy podcasting.